Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games from your podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? Hey, I'm doing good, Riley. It's great to have you back. <laughs> Thanks, man. I admittedly, I was having a great time in San Diego, but it's good to be back all the same. It's a little bit colder cats. here, though. Good to see the lady. Yeah, all true. Yeah. Good to true. see the massive Pikachu collection behind you. <laughs> it's really not the same sleeping in a room without my Pikachu collection. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Do you think that, you know, let's say you buy a house at some point in the near future, do you think you'll always have the Pikachu shrine? Like, what? at what age do you think you'll ever give up the Pikachu shrine? I don't think I'll ever really give up the shrine, at least not in my vision. I think... The shrine would likely move out of the bedroom and into like an office space or like a gamer space um, if I were to buy a house. I actually have right. been like zillowing, not really oh. actively, but just like yeah. looking around. Um, houses are so expensive, man. There, where are the people coming from? <laughs> I Maybe it's like the epic money that people make around here. Um, but like the houses are way too freaking expensive. <laughs> and it, like really frustrates me so yeah yeah it um, is really frustrating and especially to get something modest right because i'm imagining you riley you just need like maybe a three bedroom right where you can have one guest bedroom one office and then your yeah. main right it's not like you're asking for anything outlandish right like crazy. i don't want anything crazy you I know just... maybe like uh, a couple thousand square foot or something <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying backyard i every so often you'll see like one like diamond in the rough on Zillow and, and you never see it again. You know? See, that's, that's how I feel about our house. Yeah. This is the diamond in the rough. It was a diamond in the rough. Cause all of the walls for even for the pictures that they took, they were all pink <laughs> and all the pictures that they took of this house were like taken on an iPhone. I love that. And you know, are just like not professional quality. So it wasn't really uh, staged well. I mean, it wasn't staged at all, I should say. <laughs> uh, but it's been a nice little house so far. It's really met our needs. Yeah, and that's that's what I want. It's just a nice place that meets my needs. <laughs> that's it. You know. Yeah, I imagine wanting that. I don't want, like, extravagant. It's fine. I have my apartment for another year or so. I signed the lease um, in, like, January. So um, it's all good. It's all good. We'll keep staying the course. But I do like to pop in every now and then and see what's out there. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Pikachu Shrine would would move out of the the sleeping space and into a more gamer centric space if i had to guess see i just like the pikachus being you know right there hovering over top of you at potentially some of your most intimate moments yeah they are and it's cool yeah and it's nice you know the <laughs> pikachus the pikachus stay in the room <laughs> that's true <laughs> they've seen it all yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the collection's growing too the squishmallow pikachu came out recently uh-huh. uh, so i have the average squishmallow size one and then my sister got me the jumbo one and she's sending me that okay well i was gonna say i kind of like the gradient that you have going on well so. yeah so for the listeners i have two i have like three shelves of straight pikachu and it goes like from pretty normal looking Pikachus to more costumed Pikachus. And then I have the Pichu and Rowlet shelf mm -hmm. as the third shelf. 
Um, and there's one Pikachu dressed as a Rowlet, which I think is cute. And the bottom is like miscellaneous Pokemon plush. Um, and it's cute. I like it. I don't know. I need to get some more. Yeah. I've been meaning to get a few more, just like picking some of those cheaper ones up, like those little boys. You know, I'm excited because they announced there's going to be a pop-up at UIC this year. Yes, dude. So oh, my god! I'm gosh. really excited for that. The, I mean, obviously, like, Pokemon Center pop-ups at Worlds are incredible. Yes. Um, I don't expect it to be quite the same at UIC, but still, it'll be fun. They're going to have exclusive merch. Exactly. Like, it'll be amazing. Yeah, I'm uh, – I, I would love if you – you know, if we got wind of what there was, and then if you could like maybe like bring something back, I'll I'll pay you <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely really excited for UIC in general next month. Yeah. Um, just booked our hotel rooms today, so we're all set up. Um, we're not the same hotel as we were for Worlds, but we're like right next to it, so similar like prime location. Sweet. Um, I'm yeah, I'm excited for sure. Nice, nice. Hopefully, you don't get COVID this time that's the goal right are you gonna go for uh, how many days are you going i guess seven oh sweet okay so are you gonna do some more sightseeing uh probably yeah i mean especially like realistically even if realistically both of us like me and andrew both probably won't be playing on sunday (laughs) so like one of us will at least get that full day uh we have the full wednesday and thursday to ourselves so Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, potentially Friday and Saturday are gameplay days, but even then there's like time in the evenings. So, um, I'm excited to kind of enjoy myself a little bit. I got some food wrecks from, uh, my friends who actually were just in London over the last couple of weeks. I had, I had several different friends go to London, not together, but over the last few weeks, you know, like one friend was there two weeks ago another friend's there this week. It's just like. Yeah, I guess it's that time of the year when you want to go to London sure when it's it nice is. and rainy. So, very good. you get the real authentic experience. Yeah, and what's even crazier, I brought up the other week on the podcast about how I've been watching Love Island recently mm-hmm. and how it's kind of my new trashy show. And my friend who is in London this week spotted one of the couples in the wild Dude. in London. Were they one of the like OG couples or one of the new couples? They were pretty og like it was a bombshell okay. who came in like pretty early on in the process okay, okay. so it was i was freaking out because they're Dang. they were also my favorite couple on the show so like seeing them in the wild is crazy <laughs> that is pretty crazy. did they take a picture they did yeah Very they nice. took <laughs> they took a selfie with them it's cute that's awesome so anyway um lots of cool things going on how are you doing True, buddy. Uh, no, th- I mean, things are okay. I've kind of like, I've kind of tried to enter my Zen mode for work right yeah. now because it's been just like very stressful. And also, you know, I've, I've been doing this job for like a year, but I'm, uh, I, w- I told you that I was billed maybe at a higher rate than, um, at, like I was billed as having more experience than I do. So now I'm in this like personal, um, <laughs> this personal prison of trying to like meet the expectation no (laughs) (laughs) uh but then i i've like gotten over it recently where i'm like well you know i am doing the best that i can and i feel like i am asking for the appropriate help uh and i'm just slow so you know the the company you know 
uh, could have put me maybe in a better situation. And uh, also, I could just be smarter. So, um, <laughs> but I'm just not yet. Just be know? smarter, forehead. <laughs> yeah, just be smarter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it is what it is. But uh, we're doing the work and uh, getting it done. And I've, I've resigned myself to being okay with what I produce. Okay with being okay. Okay with being okay at this point. You know, I yeah. just got to give myself some. It takes some, time, uh, you know, it takes Yeah, time. yeah, it takes time. Yeah, I've been doing this for a year, so. Uh, this particular, uh, you know, language for yeah. a year. So I got to. Yeah, let yourself breathe and grow. I think that's totally fair. There you go. There you go. So anyway, uh, so that's happening. But um, more importantly, Harper is, like, really cute right now. She's <laughs> she's uh, starting to imitate animal sounds. Oh. Yeah, so that's pretty cute. And I've given her a stack of Pokemon cards, and she just loves to, like, hold cards <laughs> and, like, kind of shuffle them between her hands and Uh-oh, stuff. Uh-oh, she's so already I, doing I, it. <laughs> I know, man. It's pretty cute, so... I'm taking a lot of photos that I can show her when she's older. When she's a pro player. That, yes, absolutely. Yeah, nice. they'll they'll sh- they'll put it up on the uh, official Pokemon streams. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm imagining. <laughs> Probably right. When she's in the finals of the juniors division. <laughs> the world championship. <laughs> That's so sick. Well, lots of fun stuff all around. Uh, this weekend also was a regional championship over in Vancouver. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, guys. It, we're in Crown Zenith format. Not much has changed. Dude. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, but it's nice to see a little rogue deck win. Right. You always want to see the underdog come up on top, and Ian Robb was able to craft the perfect underdog out the of the ultimate, blue choice. The ultimate underdog player piloting the ultimate underdog deck. <laughs> In Lugia V-Star featuring Archeops. Yeah. That's crazy. So, I mean, Lugia is that deck. We've said it for weeks now. It's just that's the deck that you should be playing. It's the best deck to win every tournament. It does win every tournament, it feels like. Um and that's just what it is, right? That's just what it is right now. So congrats to Ian Rob. His list was really good. I mean, most Lugia lists are within a few cards, but his was really, like, solid, really consistent. Yeah, a uh, couple of the unique cards. I mean, he had the Escape Rope. He had Irida. Um, a 3-2 Lugia line. I'm trying yeah, to the one other, choice like, belt. Notable inclusions or exclusions. Yeah, one choice belt. Sea so, Lightning. Nothing... You know, nothing crazy. I mean, these are all cards you've heard in Lugia, but, um, you know, still just just a very consistent, straightforward, standard list. And I uh, was able to take down his fifth regional championship. And he did play super, super well. Like, if you watch his stream matches, yeah. he yeah. he really, like, found the routes. Uh, in yeah, a lot he of did. He did. It, it was clean. It was clean gameplay, uh, especially that final, finals match was uh, just very well played. Yeah, and and uh, certainly uh, very deserving of that win. Second place, we did have Gudra, so that's a fun, exciting thing to get there. The two, it was a six, it was another. <laughs> I feel like this happened like three times. A six Lugia top eight, um, and the two non Lugia decks played in the top four, which you hate to see. Um, or was it top eight? I think it was top eight. No, they no they played in the top four. The, okay, top four. Uh, uh, the Arceus so Kobe Duraladon. and mm-hmm. play, Kobe played against Zach Lesage, uh, Gudra versus Arc Duraladon. Normally you'd expect Arc Duraladon to actually be favored in that matchup, uh, but Kobe 
pulling through with Gudra. I'm sure Zach would have preferred to have, you know, made it to the finals. He had a really good record against uh, Lugia actually the whole weekend. His uh, four boss with the four pokey gear, you know, helping to gust up those Archeops a little more reliably and prevent the Eveltal out of nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, not really any major surprises out of Vancouver. And so really we're not going to belabor the point. There's no reason for us to tell you that Lugia is good. You can look at any tournament from the last five months and sort of self-validate that. <laughs> so uh, instead, we decided we'd sort of take this episode in a, a little bit of a different direction, talk about some different things that interest us a little bit more in the moment. Um, so one thing I'll preface, if you're looking for sort of rotation type of stuff, we're planning to hit on that more starting next week. So if that's really what amps you up, look forward to next week. Uh, but instead, we're going to do more of a retrospective look instead of a prospective look. So taking a look back on on this format, formats of old, and you know what made them successful or not. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it, JW. What do you think? Let's do it. So one thing that kind of hit me as I was booking my hotels today for EUIC is this is really this is the end of the sword and shield block, right? We had a full on block format with crown Zenith coming out uh, with sword and shield, all of the sets that were meant to be released with sword and shield simultaneously legal. And, you know, this, we're reaching the apex of, of that format, right? We have two North American tournaments left and then we're onwards to rotation. JW, I'm curious for some of your general sort of high level thoughts about what do we think about the Sword and Shield block? You know, not even necessarily this specific Sword and Shield to Crown Zenith format, but over the course of Sword and Shield's lifetime, how do we feel about, you know, the cards that came out, the experiences we had, the formats that we played in? What was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I do feel that Sword and Shield got right, and I don't think there was, granted, a lot of things that the block got right, just compared to... Um, all the years that I've been playing competitively, uh, I just felt like they did get for for you know as well as they could. They they were able to, um, I feel appropriately mix multi prize Pokemon with non multi prize Pokemon. We saw especially recently, kind of the rise of Reggie Gigas, which. You know, is is an appropriate deck, I feel like, in the sense that you are one-shotting everything, uh, but you have to do it in some roundabout ways. You know, you have to get five energy attached to a Regigigas, or you have to find your Aurora energies, of which you only play four in the deck. I mean, there's just some kind of um, puzzling there that makes it so it's not just going to blow everything out of the water, that you actually <laughs> have to do some work to get the combos off that you need. And then... You know, you think about the Lost Box decks that were prominent for quite a while. Um, still are in, in many ways, but uh, obviously just being outshined by Lugia here at the end. But I, I felt like one of the things that the Sword and Shield set format block did well <laughs> was uh, mixing these one prize Pokemon in amongst the, the multi-prizers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really valid point. Even if you look further back we had decks like malamar that were really popular for quite a while or single strike toolbox sort of decks that relied exclusively right. on the houndoom to power up your more pecos and your stone journers 
Um, there was a lot of variation. Charizard and Teleon, also an amazing deck. That was, yeah, I was entirely single prize reliant. Yep. Yep. So all sorts of really cool options for single prizers. And I think that is something that maybe is a little undervalued in this format just because of how insane the multi-prizers were. I almost over, Even though the single prizers were able to sort of keep up and, and maintain a presence in the metagame, they still almost got overshadowed in a way in terms mm. of like how people will remember these formats by the multi-prizers. Right, absolutely. So that's a, that's a really super valid point. I think one thing as well that Sword and Shield at least tried to do well is they tried to take a look at some historically imbalanced cards and sort of print them in a new light, right? You think of things like double colorless energy that mm. were just straight up like overpowered historically. And you initially we had twin energy, which is kind of a first pilot of how could this be different and better, you know, only being able to use on the single prize Pokemon. Then later on, we got double turbo energy, which was a little closer in spirit to the original double colorless, uh, the 20 damage reduction, not really <laughs> being that big of a deal, but um, still like they're trying to, to invent cards in sort of a new way. Look at back at things that maybe weren't balanced. I also kind of think it was Roxanne as, as yeah. trying to hit the mark a little bit better than maybe they were satisfied about end with. Um, at least my impression is that they weren't really looking to do end to ones anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I Roxanne mean, gives you a little middle ground there. Right. Absolutely. I mean, even just the ability to start disrupting your opponent in such a crazy, like unbalanced way, starting, you know, maybe from the four prize turn, the three prize turn, you know, giving one player six, the other player three, over and over to one. I mean, that is, you know, historically, I know a lot of players really want end back, but I would agree with you on the whole. And I, I do like end personally as a card. No, I like end too. I do think that it promotes, um, you know, resource management in a way that we don't quite have. But all that said, I do feel like Roxanne was like an appropriate substitute, at least to get away from just always having a Rockets admin or an N in the format. It felt like, um, you know, a solid departure. If we do see N back, I wouldn't be, you know, particularly thrilled or upset, but it was good to have that kind of break in the format for a while from N. And I think another thing, and you could argue this as being either a pro or a con of the Sword and Shield format, is consistency was through the freaking roof mm. in, in this series. You know, you had yeah. Quick Ball, Ultra Ball, Evolution Incense, Level Ball, all in the same format. You know, if you told us, and we commented on this back when Ultra Ball came out in Brilliant Stars, if you told me, you know, five, six years ago that Ultra Ball would be printed and people were not even considering it as a four of in some decks, I would think you're insane. But we have so many insanely powerful search cards right now available that you actually have to trim them down for right. your deck. Yeah. And yeah. even then, people get dissatisfied with the amount of search they have in their deck, which is so crazy Back thinking back on the days when we only played for Ultra Ball, and that was just enough. I know. It's kind of funny flipping through some old decks where Ultra Ball was the only search. It's like, and how did we ever draw our Pokemon? <laughs> I know. No, I mean, that's legit, right? And you like, and then maybe you have other formats where you had maybe Nest Ball and like a nest ball and great ball. But even then it just felt very, the amount of draw that we have uh, 
out of those cards as well. Like the amount of, um, you know, quick ball and ultra ball are very significant ball cards because they go to your hand, the Pokemon. So you can play these Crobats, yeah. you can play the Luminions and get that full effect as opposed to, you know, past formats where we relied a lot on Nest Ball or, or like you said, only had the four Ultra Ball as ways to search out our Pokemon. Yeah, it's it blows my mind looking at old deck lists, like especially like X and Y, black and white era lists, where we literally only played Ultra Ball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then sometimes you play those decks and it's like, oh yeah, I actually do sometimes struggle to find the Pokemon. That yeah, I'm it's like, I mean, there was a time when, yeah, you played Ultra Ball and then your second best supporter was Bianca, which is a draw to six. It's, it, it, was, it was crazy times back then, man. Absolutely crazy. Are there any other like highlights that you have in mind from Sword and Shield? <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe not. I have a low light, and I think the that V Pokemon in general were a mistake. I think they were boring out of the gate. I thought, okay. I thought that from the drop of the Sword and Shield set <laughs> that they were boring. I thought V Max Pokemon were like the worst design they've ever made, and that V Star. You think that's the worst like mechanic that they've ever made? Not, you think? I, I don't know. I have to list them all out, but VMAX yeah. is like super low down there for me. I yeah. think VMAXs are worse than tag teams, personally. Now that's a take. You like VMAXs more? Here, and I've said this before. Every single do. VMAX is the same card. <laughs> <laughs> you have a single color and a single colorless energy that you attach to that thing to yeah. do like 180 damage. <laughs> right, right, sure, sure. <laughs> and maybe you do more for three energy. And like, that's it. That's every single VMAX. <laughs> that's funny. And they have, you know, three, 310 to 340 HP. And you just pick your favorite color slash favorite type support, and there you go. You have your deck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that. that that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, I would agree with you in the sense that it did make for a lot of these decks, especially early on in in Vmax history, um, of decks that looked very samey. Yeah, I yeah. I really hated Vmax. V stars, I think, were a significant upgrade. But even then, I don't really love the multi prizers evolving from multi prizers deal. Sure. Um, I just, I never really have. It just, but it like, it doesn't make sense. I don't think though. Right. Because you couldn't have, you know, with VMAX Pokemon, if I'm thinking from a game design perspective, you can't have a single prize or no, you can't, but that's why I just don't make a VMAX. (laughs) That's okay. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) So that's my argument. Yeah. And at the same time, like, it's not that radical of a departure from like GX Pokemon in a way. Like right. they give up an extra prize to so you could maybe justify the extra jump. You know, Zerua when it evolved into Zorark GX, it got 150 health. <laughs> That's a lot. That's pretty crazy. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I VMAX is in particular were were an ire to me. I don't know. Okay. Do you have other things that stick out to you from Sword and Shield? Um, things that I really disliked about the Sword and Shield block on the whole was that for the most part, I felt like a lot of the card um, attacks were very bland. You had and a lot of That kind of, these... of feeds into my beef with the VMAXs. Yeah, I mean, you had, you know, yeah, you're talking about just attach two energy and do 180 or whatever, but I feel like, you know, with cards, especially like the poster child of the initial 
base set of Zacian V, where you have this Pokemon can't attack next turn. The most basic. It's like, <laughs> you know, fine, I get. like, And they kept reprinting this style effect on many cards uh, following. And it's like, oh, okay, I, I guess that's fine. Like, I understand there's maybe like a balance thing that's inherent with playing this card. But I just felt like for the most part, a lot of these card effects of attacks were not... Not that interesting. Not that intriguing. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Uh, very like vanilla, straightforward. That is another way you could think of it. Like especially the Pokemon. Yeah. Um, I think another thing I didn't like about Sword and Shield is I didn't like Scoop Up Net. I didn't like what mm. it added to the format. You know, I I thought it was kind of cool how it interacted with Inteleon. But, like, every other interaction with Scoop Up Net felt super <laughs> cancerous to me. Um, I don't know. Like, it's I, a, thought, I thought Scoop Up Net was kind of fun. It was a cool – it's a really cool card, but it's just yeah. so ridiculous, man. That card is so ridiculous. The card is so ridiculous. But I, I thought it was, like – like, it gave these kind of engines, like the Inteleons – opportunity to It's shine, true. Right? Yeah, if, you, if you could only you're, use you're it on playing... Inteleon – <laughs> it would have bothered but also the inteleon engine kind of annoyed me not because okay. it was really like a bad addition to the game but because it was so freaking slow and it mm. took forever for anything to happen when my opponent was playing inteleon it's like oh my gosh man i get nightmares thinking about playing against argus inteleon and where they go scoop up net inteleon scoop up net rare candy inteleon play the drizzle and like each surge is taking them the full amount of time and like right oh my gosh (laughs) that's why you just two ohm real quick but even if you're two them really quick they're still doing that (laughs) you know (laughs) that's the thing um, so, so let's talk about some of our maybe favorite or least favorite archetypes. I'll start with Palkia. Uh, you know, we're just talking about how toxic the Inteleon engine was. But Palkia, I feel like, didn't fully utilize. Like, it, it did use a lot of the Inteleon uh, mechanics there. But it never was often a full line of Inteleon. And he usually only played, like, two or three scoop up net. So it was kind of a enabler and not necessarily the backbone of the deck, but I had a ton of fun playing Palkia. That yeah. was one of my favorite decks. Yeah, far. I would agree. Palkia was, was a lot of fun. Um, really, obviously, powerful deck, but even then, it wasn't like taking home every single tournament either. It was. It mm-hmm. felt kind of like at the appropriate power level. And there were things that your opponent could do to nerf you. Now, it's it kind of was like Trash Lanch Garbodor from a few years ago, where it was kind of impossible to get around the attack uh you know bonus damage right uh where you just had to play your items down to increase that garbage <laughs> attack it's the same kind of thing with the palky it's like well you you kind of had to uh play pokemon on your bench because you know if you're playing in that format you're also probably playing an Inteleon based engine and you need all those bench slots for your sobbles but all that said there was a little bit of counterplay there between okay do you have that uh you know that full bench okay now i can take a knockout or maybe i need to echoing horn something in your discard pile oh wait you played an ordinary rod because you saw that play ahead of time you know there was a little bit of that yeah. going on with those decks yeah you know palkia was was definitely a cool deck to have at sort of the apex of the format um i also 
you know you mentioned reggie's i think that was a really fun like dynamic single prize deck it's always fun to play (laughs) you know you're doing crazy stuff every game um another deck i know and i know i slammed inteleon but like it did again i thought it was kind of a positive card this is annoying to play against um Urshifu was a archetype of deck that I really, really enjoyed, like Urshifu and Teleon decks. I played the crap out of those on the TCGO ladder for a long, long time. Um, and I always was trying to find a way to like justify it being our pick for the next tournament. Never really did, <laughs> but you know, I kept trying. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun for me. Um I, those are some of the really big ones that stick out in my mind. Uh, I I definitely am a Reggie, a Reggie fan. I will say, a Reggie and Mew boy. <laughs> I am. Mew is, Mew is more fun when it like wasn't the most hated deck in the format. You right. Know? Right. Like playing Mew at UIC was significantly less fun than playing Mew at Peoria. <laughs> There's definitely like a meme out there where it's like you know, uh, society if Drapion V didn't exist. <laughs> And just all these happy muse. <laughs> I think many people though would not think that's a acceptable society. So I don't know. I would be curious how the format would look if there wasn't a Drapion. Gosh, I would be too good, I think. <laughs> Do you not think? I don't know. I'm just trying to think about it. That's because like... that was what I was saying. Whatever tournament we were really tilted about Drapion. Um, it's like Drapion is a poorly designed card right it's over it's like way too good at what it's meant to do right but at the same time it almost feels like it was necessary <laughs> to keep Mew in check so like i i don't know like i i don't know what to think about it <laughs> you're you're a drapion apologist i guess like don't get me wrong i would love to play Mew without any of my opponents having drapion in their deck but would it just be way too good <laughs> if all it had to fear was like lugia setting up too quickly would it be yeah too i don't good? know path path i guess maybe yeah mew, mew is the path deck that's <laughs> <laughs> the craziest thing mew has evolved so hard yeah that's true that's true <laughs> so i will say mew is like the ultimate solitaire deck if you're looking for a deck to just like play hands Keep on with your desk Keep on your desk and play hands with. (laughs) Mew is like that deck for sure. And I do a lot of solitaring uh, just at my like table at home. And I keep that Mew on me for sure. (laughs) You got to do it. Yeah. I mean, when I think of Sword and Shield block, it feels like a hyper consistent block with sort of relatively vanilla archetypes. But they're all really consistent, right? Mm -hmm. Like even... Even Lugia, which gets two fossil Pokemon into play on turn two, is pretty vanilla from there. Like, yeah, you have rainbow attackers, but really you're just kind of like swinging for knockouts after that point. You're not doing anything too crazy. Um, so that's kind of my perspective on Sword and Shield is it's a hyper-consistent, really fast-paced uh, period in the game's history. You know, we opened it up with ADP Zashian, and we close it off with Lugia. And I think that's like perfect yep. bookends to describe yep. what yep. this format was like. Yep. Yep. I, I, I am uh, ready for something fresh, something new. I think, um, you know, I echo a lot of players in the community right now just saying this format is, is okay. I don't think it's one of the worst formats that I've ever played in. I mean, it, it's not great, um, but it's not like at the bottom. 
because there there is some some skill expression I think uh, more sure. so than some of the other formats that I've played in. But um, I think we're ready for a change. It, it just felt like it's been far too long in this in this Lugia dominated world. I would agree with that. Well, speaking of of change and looking ahead, GW, I got a card of the day for you. Um, so my hint for today is it's going to be a it's going to be a card that's available today in North America, but it is a scarlet and violet card. Yeah. Okay. It's it's available in North America. Uh-huh. And it's a scarlet and violet card. Yep. Okay, it's Mimic UEX. Boom. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was a good guess though. Uh, so There's only like 4, right? I think there's seven total in counting. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna blow my mind then with this. Well, there's there's two of every starter available with the boxes, and then there's the Mimikyu. Okay. <laughs> so you had like a one in four shot of getting it if you guessed just a random Pokemon <laughs> from that list. Uh, so the card I chose for today is the card that I think is the cutest of okay. the starter promos. Uh, if you want to take a swing at that. <laughs> uh, Sprigatito. Yes. But what about which art of Sprigatito? There's two. I I don't... I only know the one that I've seen in the store. Well, so. there's... There's two arts for each starter. There's the one where the starter is the box Pokemon, and there's the one where the starter is not the box Pokemon. So there's actually two. Okay. I don't, I don't not know. to mess with you too much, but yeah, <laughs> the Sprigatito that I'm it. choosing is my favorite is Scarlet and Violet promo number one. He's sitting on a little cliff overlooking. He's got a nice little grin on his face. It's just so freaking cute, man. Sprigatito is a really cute Pokemon. And I Okay, cat enjoyer. Yeah, I am a cat enjoyer for sure. Sprigatito is really cute. I will say I like Flitten a lot as well, but I like Sprigatito's evolutionary path quite mm-hmm. a bit more than I like yeah. Litten's. Uh, although they do both fall into the same trap of standing up on their hind legs. <laughs> you Pokemon think that's just, a trap, really? You Pokemon think just can't resist taking Pokemon their Pokemon off their hind legs. Anthropomorph- anthropomorphizing Or off their front legs. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, let them, let them walk around. <laughs> yeah, but then they can't be in Smash Bros. <laughs> that's so true. But when's the next Smash Bros. game coming? Nobody knows. Like, so uh, You think that they're not working on it right now? I really don't. Yeah. You think they're not putting Sprigatito? They're not coding Sprigatito? Sprigatito senior, senior. Right yeah. <laughs> I don't think they are. At least not by the original creator of Smash, because he's supposed to be retired. He's off the game. Hmm. They're going to put him in the game. That'd be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. If he was like one of those really intentionally broken characters, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sprigatito is cool. And I wanted to give it a shout out as we look ahead to Scarlet and Violet. But you debut, before we go to the second half of the episode, we got to give a thank you to our sponsor for this week. Absolutely. The presenting sponsor of the podcast is, of course, Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier men's grooming company that has all of your needs i mean they they meet every single need that you could have in terms of men's grooming they can even (laughs) so they don't fulfill like your they don't fulfill like your 
feeding sort of yeah they don't feel <laughs> shelter like your, you know your marital needs or your survival needs or <laughs> you know they don't they 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 maybe arguably fulfill, could fulfill your Pokemon needs, though. Uh, you know, Riley has uh, has kept up a pretty impressive streak. I am on a you know over what eighty yeah. percent streak or something like that. So, you know, of of day twos while wearing the boxers. So, um, there's a lot to be said for the things that Manscaped <laughs> and their products can do for you. Absolutely, At, like JW said, we're huge fans of Manscaped's products. The boxers i'm a huge fan of personally and of course the lawnmower is a amazing tool for taking care of your down there hairs but seriously the beard hedger has been an awesome addition to my travel kit as someone who does quite a bit of traveling for mm-hmm. work and for pokemon having an electric razor that i can quickly pack up and it's nice little carrying case that it comes with works super well is super easily adjustable without a lot of different guards that makes a big difference to me one of the things i want to i do want to say shout out to that when you're talking about this is like i have not had my manscaped razor plugged in for like a few months and it still turns on (laughs) right what i needed to do it's really really impressive it's really awesome and again as someone who travels a lot like the convenience of it with not needing a bunch of different guards and it going into one like easy to pack carrying case is so awesome so i really recommend their products um and if you are interested based on these testimonials based on either you know looking to get pokemon success or take care of your men's grooming or anything in between good news is that we at tag team got a deal for you so if you want to head on over to manscape.com just type that into your browser Put whatever you want in your cart. And if you use code tag team, that's T-A-G-T-E-A-M at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Who wants to pay for shipping in 2023? So head on over to Manscaped, use our code and keep your Cherubi looking fresh. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right, JW, with the last... 10 to 15 minutes here. I'm curious for, we talked about the sword and shield era and sort of our satisfactions and dissatisfactions with this period of time in the card game. I'm curious, what are some of the things that you really look for in a format? You know, if sword and shield isn't the best format of all time, what is some of the ones that really stick out to you? And and why is that the case? Yeah, I, um, I, I mean, I did talk about it earlier, kind of like gave a hint at, uh, that when we were talking about the sword and shield block, but I do really appreciate it when you can play a mix of basics, stage ones, and stage twos. Now, we didn't really, frankly, see much of the stage two in this whole block, but um, we did see kind of the single prize. <laughs> Archaeops is a stage two, I'll have you know. That, that facts, facts. Um, but we did see a lot of, you know, the single prize basics uh, going up against the multi-prize evolution Pokemon. I just, I really like in a format, and this is just from me from like a, uh, you know, um, kind of uh, the, the, the what I feel is like the culture of the game, where it's, if you have a core tenant of the video game, then you should try as much as you yeah. can to incorporate it into the trading card game. Yeah. And one of those core tenants I feel like is evolution, right? So um, 
you know, although you do have these basic legendaries that are monsters and, you know, go off and, and super powerful, you also have evolution Pokemon that can going right alongside that so we didn't quite get to the you know stage twos in this block is very few and far between but um that is something that i really look forward to in in good formats is seeing formats where not only the you know stage twos are good but also the stage ones and then even some basics thrown in there yeah i definitely agree that's something i've pretty been pretty consistent in saying is i really like evolution and I'll even tack on to that. I really don't feel like the multi-prizers evolving to multi-prizers really scratched that itch to me. Like a Lugia V, quote-unquote, evolving into a Lugia V-star didn't really feel as fun and satisfying to me as, like, evolving my evolving my Litten into mm. a Incineroar, right? right? Like, that is a more satisfying feeling to me. Um, so evolution is a huge part of it for me and i think comeback potential is another thing for me you know in the same vein right if you have these like multi-prize pokemon that maybe are a little bit more efficient and like swing earlier and and are more aggressive but then they're counterbalanced by these more slower paced evolution decks that sort of sweep the game at the end I think that's a, that's a lot of fun and really interesting. You know, I honestly think the Sun and Moon blocks were really good. Um, you know, I think back to, um, I think it was 2018 Nationals that year was, was a ton of fun. Worlds that year was a ton of fun. You had, you know, Zoro Garb, you had Zoro Pod, you had Buzzwold decks, you had crazy like hoopa decks you had a veltal decks and there's just so much going on in that format and it was really engaging and gx's to me felt like they scratched that niche of of uh or scratched the itch rather scratch of, that niche i know i was like really <laughs> really mixing together my idioms <laughs> but um it really scratched the itch for me evolving the gx's same yeah. with like even early Sun and Moon with uh, like Gardevoir GX when that was right. the best deck in the format. You right. had to sort of counterbalance that against the fact it was a stage two and it took time and effort to power it up and get it into play. Um, right. I really look back fondly on on um, Sun and Moon, especially like the pre, even like the the 2018 and earlier Sun and Moon is, is when I, I think I had the most fun in like my modern era of the card game. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. That that is a a good format, I would say. Overall good format. I think one of the other things that makes for um a better format in my eyes, again, this is just my opinion, is when one hit KOs are less prevalent. I think yeah. it is a nice thing to have, is like to have that option of being able to one hit KO. And I think um largely this was one of the things that like the GX cards did fairly well is that they had that elevated damage um, for the most part on the GX attacks. And uh, similarly to when we had the tag team Pokemon, right? You had these just monstrous GX attacks, but you could only use them once a game. Everything else for the most part was relegated to um, a two hit knockout yeah. or more. Um, so when weakness is not a factor, when, you know, damage, you know, you can't ramp up every single turn to getting one shot knockouts, which is so common right now i think that makes for a much more enjoyable format it gives both players more time uh, to figure out a game plan to figure out a strategy to resource manage 
uh, to route better. And I think about that too, like when you're thinking of Zork, um, when you're thinking even back further than that, I mean like the big basic decks yeah. of old where you're playing, you know, things like Landorus and Mewtwo. Oh, well, okay, Mewtwo is kind of one-shotting each other, but they were one-shotting each other, so everyone played Mewtwo. So, um, you know, Landorus <laughs> and, and Ho-Oh. So Mewtwo was actually super healthy for the game. <laughs> 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 okay, I don't think I can. I don't think I can spin it that hard. Um, <laughs> but point being, you had a lot of these Pokemon that were not one-shotting, unless it was under some kind of. Um, you know, uh, just extensive circumstances. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what I would emphasize as well is like one shotting isn't evil in of itself, but it should like either be set up or it should cost something or it should like put you in a position of risk almost, you know, Mm. going back again to like Gardevoir, if you're taking one shots with your Gardevoir GX, then either you have all your energy load up and that's implicitly a risk because if that Gardevoir gets knocked out, then you probably aren't winning. Um, Or if you're in the mirror, for example, well, now your opponent is going to be able to capitalize on you having a lot of energy. So like there's implicit risk to sort of reaching for those knockouts or resources that have to be managed very particularly to reach for a knockout as opposed to, I would say in the past couple of formats, knockouts are basically assumed every turn. Um, And it's just a matter of like who gets them the quickest. Right. So I think that's a, that's a really valid point. Um, What are some of your favorite formats that have sort of combined those elements? Yeah, I think um, anything with Zork historically, I felt was good you know it was was really good because i think you had um you know these zoroark decks that could um really just resource management was so so important uh, but you're for the most part in those formats you're two shotting um even if you're against weakness right like there were a lot of these um decks and a lot of these you know kind of sub format non-worlds formats i guess regionals formats and things where um you had like fighting decks going up against zoroark decks but because it took the fighting deck a little bit of time maybe a couple of energy attachments to get ramped up you had a little bit of time with your zorak deck to stabilize and you could maybe heal off some damage with acerola before getting one shot by buzzwool um, so i really enjoyed like the zorak buzzwool style garbador i definitely did for sure galissapod like all that uh, from 20, what, 2018-ish. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I, I mean, I'm with you, man, <laughs> for sure. I know. We were we were Galissapod, like, we homeboys. for sure, yeah. For sure, yep. I mean, even looking further back, like, I thought 2010 was a pretty fun format. You know, you have a lot of back and forth. There's a huge variety of decks that were at least decently powerful, um, and you were mixing things like Gyarados and Jumpluff and like this really... One of the things about 2010, and you should maybe tell listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with some of these decks, but one of the cool things about 2010 was the ability, because decks were so consistent and could draw so many cards, um, you could play just a bunch of wacky techs. <laughs> and they which did. I feel like is is not as common today. I mean, you can still do that, but it's just, you know, more geared towards consistency now. Whereas 
in formats past, especially 2010, you had all these options to draw, uh, more so from your Pokemon, less so from your supporter. Mm-hmm. And so you could try to set up all these crazy combinations. Like I think of the decks that would play like a 101 Dusknoir in yeah. their deck with yeah. one rare candy, you know? And it's like, okay, you <laughs> the could, one like, rare candy you could pretty reliably get that out between Azelf being able to search out your prizes and the amount of draw that you had from your Claydol. That was a card that you could realistically get out in most every game. And, of course, the Dusknoir had a really um, scary ability where if you had more than four benched Pokemon, then the player with the Dusknoir could shuffle one of them back into the deck so yeah that's just it's cool things like that and there are there are a few other stage twos nitto queen uh for instance is another one yeah or like playing some crazy random like legend card (laughs) you know yeah yeah tv's legend card that totally you know happened to help you in a particular matchup (laughs) you know that stuff was wild so that's a format i really enjoy um I haven't played a lot of 06, which is a format that's looked back on really fondly, so I don't have really strong opinions on it myself. But, um, you know, Natalie has a fully built LVS deck, which is really cool. That That is uh, probably pretty expensive as well. Yeah, it ramped up in price, I think, as they were building it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the early stages of building it was not as expensive as the later stages. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the cool things about getting kind of old format decks if you're thinking about it right now um really anything from the modern era that you're trying to build that's not currently in rotation is pretty cheap like you can make a lot of these worlds decks for under a hundred dollars really easily maybe even under fifty dollars if you get the right deals so it's worth looking into Uh, that's something that i'm kind of trying to take up now um you know, I have my cube of Heart Gold Soul Silver that is kind of this little time capsule into that era, and now I'm starting to branch out a little bit and trying to create a few of these worlds decks so that I can have them as just records yeah. of past formats that I played, um, and you know, for teaching new players or just like playing with my wife or just for casual meetups amongst friends. Yeah, I bought a sixteen sixteen line of Zorark recently. <laughs> nice for that exact reason. For that reason, yeah, just to build like every Zorark variant I can think of, and, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll need you'll, to buy more. You'll at miss some. some. Point. You'll miss some. Yeah, I'll need to buy more at some point probably. But you know, I want to <laughs> hit the, you know, I want to hit the Lycanroc and, and the Galissapods and the Control yeah. and the Garbodors, and that's sixteen sixteen right there. So <laughs> easy. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think ultimately what sounds like our resounding opinion is we like evolution. You know, that's kind of the the thematic through line, if you will, of Pokemon is evolution. So we like that to be a core component of the gameplay. Um, we like to see like comeback potential and swing turns and like build up over the course of games. And when you look at today's format, like, yes, there is evolution, but it's really it doesn't feel quite the same because you're just like upgrading your Pokemon mm. as opposed to like it actually evolving and, and growing. I don't know. Um, the comeback potential isn't as much there because the format's so fast and um, you know, it's really, there's not a lot of back and forth, you know, you're taking these gigantic knockouts pretty quickly yeah. and easily with every deck in the format. So yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, that's kind of what Sword and Shield has been lacking the whole time for me. Not to say again that this is like this isn't the worst format I've ever played. It's it's like fine. It's categorically fine. Uh, but sometimes I see those comments about people, you know, thinking that the Lugia Mirror is something that people want to look back on in the future. And I just don't think compared to other formats that that's true for me. See, the I probably have those players muted on Twitter because I, <laughs> I do not see that discourse. And, and I definitely do not agree. And you know what? Like, yeah, I don't really agree either. But um, if you like this format, that's totally fine. But... I think there are, are formats that if I were to show like someone who is like interested in learning the Pokemon trading card game and like wants to just explore a random <laughs> format, this wouldn't be the one that I choose. Oh for. yeah. No, I would, I would steer them far, far away from this. I would steer them probably <laughs> far, far away from tag teams. <laughs> right. Like let's, let's get back to our roots. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. Give me Zora control. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Give, give me, me give whale me lord primate stall. wisdom or anger. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or sorry, give me uh, give me all the old orangus of yore to yeah. you know stack my deck and uh, um, get my puzzle of time back to make that's their lives right. miserable. Like that's how they're gonna learn the game. <laughs> yeah. Now, that, now we're talking. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, this it is what it is though, but. Nevertheless, rotation is upon us. You know, we have a couple more formats or a couple tournaments left in this format, but UIC is just around the corner, which means rotation is right there with it. So if you're interested to follow along, you can go ahead and keep on listening to Tag Team. We'll start talking about rotation next week. Yeah, next week, cards that we're losing that'll have the most impact, cards that we're gaining That'll have the most impact. Some of the new archetypes that you should be watching out for. All that's going to be covered next week. So if you're into that, make sure to tune in then. And if you're looking to stay on the cutting edge of the tag team multiverse, the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter. You can go ahead and find us at Tag Team Pokemon for the podcast itself. It's where we post sort of podcast level updates and things that might be interesting to the fans. Uh, and if you're interested to follow JW and I personally, you can find me at Smiles with Riles and JW at Real John Walter. We also record the cast live every single week. Uh, typically, we'll be recording at my channel, twitch.tv slash Munner. But on weeks where I'm traveling, you can find it on JW's channel where he also regularly streams the Pokemon trading card game at twitch.tv slash FlexDaddyRighteous. We appreciate every single one of you, and we hope to catch you next time. Peace. See ya.